This is a Showbile podcast. Welcome back to episode 45 of Bucks on Nucks. Me and Stu are sitting here a couple weeks off for the boys. Every time we miss a few weeks, Stu, it just feels like to me, I sit back and I'm like, why did I not start a podcast in high school when I didn't actually have like a full-time job and like actual obligations? Like I, I like high school would have been so easy. College would have been so easy. But then it's like, we're just two grown men trying to fucking make a dream work here. So we're episode 45, we're rolling on, we got a lot to talk about today, NHL, UFC, and Ganu versus Fury, and whatever the hell else we seem to stumble upon, but I would be pissed if I didn't check in with my boy first. What's going on, Stu? How are you, bud? Oh, doing good, you know, um, yeah, like you said, a couple of weeks off, um, but we're back and, and ready to go, um, maybe... A lot more content. I'm hoping they're just uh, figuring out a few things to make it work here. And then um, I feel like uh, if you, as a listener, um, check out our YouTube channel, um, starting with this episode, um, we might have um, full episodes up there for you. Um, the website, um, we haven't really boosted on social, so maybe we do that. Or I don't know, maybe we put the website on hold. I don't know for sure what we do with it yet. but. Um, if the YouTube goes well, we keep the website going. Um, but yeah, uh, me personally, doing good, man. Yeah, and, and when it comes to that shit, realistically what we are is just two dudes fucking winging it. Like I have no clue what the <laughs> fuck I'm doing in terms of like the website and writing blogs or, or content or whatever. Like you and I are not content creators by choice. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like this isn't what we, this isn't what we uh, went to school. We don't have a degree in content creation. So it's one of those things where it's, well, actually, you you technically have a de- de- diploma <laughs> degree in content creation, don't it's you? It's close enough. I mean, like, I don't know if the content creation is is a is a name of a degree out there, but uh, broadcasting so. would be close and maybe the closest thing to it. So, <laughs> Stu could call Stu could call a game with the fucking best of them. You put him in the booth; he could be the play by play with the best of them. But nah, yeah, I was like more you said, better at uh, the the production side. You can hear the stutter in my voice and shit. You know, I'm almost tripping up. But play by play seems to flow more naturally. I feel like you know. Uh, well, yeah, I and, tried and, you it know, once. with the the production side, you know what I mean. Like you do have the face to stay behind the camera and not in front of it, <laughs> so that does kind of make sense. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Me too. Me too. I got a radio fucking face and a radio voice. That means you can't go on TV. That's fucking like that's it is what it is. But like we've had Kyle Bukowskis on here a lot, and there's a guy who's got a face for TV, but not only a face, but just the, the hair on the kid. And every Saturday when he gets on TV and shit, I always want to just put a snap out there and be like, yo, like we we interviewed that guy. We interviewed like we're in the big leagues too. Like this guy's yeah. on TV on on your TV, and he was on our podcast too. As we were just shooting the shit with Kyle. Um I kind of wonder what Kyle Bukowskis would say about the Edmonton Oilers right now. I truly wonder what his take would be. Like, tire fire, panic mode, fire sale. Like, I don't know what his take would be, but regardless of what his take would be, I'm more excited to hear what your take is on the Edmonton Oilers right now. Like, where are you at 15 games into the season? I'll run through a little bit of stats. Like, 15 games in, they're 5-9-1, and one, right? They have 11 points, but they're on a three-game win streak. So they were 2-9-1 and one at some point, won their last three. They got 43 goals for, 55 goals against, absolutely no depth scoring on this team whatsoever. And on top of it, they can't get a save, dude. Like Jack Campbell, before he got put on waivers and sent down, he's got a 450 goals against average with an 873 save percentage. Uh, Stuart Skinner, the next best thing at Edmonton in net, he's got three, 3.23 goals against average and 880 save percentage. Like you can't score enough goals like when you don't get a save ever like i don't get it where are you at with edmonton it's good to see them building a little bit of momentum i think they like they obviously the the star power is there to kind of like turn it around a little bit um but obviously it was a tough start it was a slow start um they got some ground ground to make up and even if they go on a bit of a heater here and then they're back in contention and maybe you know what i'm saying maybe they have a uh, end up having a great season um that doesn't mean everything's green in fucking Edmonton. You know what I mean? Like that Jack Campbell situation is, uh, is, is not one that just, uh, something that's going to go away anytime soon. You know what I mean? He's, 
He signed uh, for about $5 million a year, right? Until um, 2027, I believe. Five by five, baby. He's got the David Clarkson fucking contract. That could be up there in the last 10 years. That Jack Campbell contract, as of right now, could be up there with the worst contract handed out on July 1st in the last 10 years. Yeah. And I was surprised almost, but it, it just seems like that's the way the Oilers are, that they didn't... They didn't look for goaltending options in the summer because if you remember, there was a point where John Gibson was a name out there that he he wanted out of Anaheim and now it's looking like he he's uh kind of settled down and he's okay being there with like no knowing that they're doing better, obviously. Um but he was he was on the market for a little bit and they never heard a peep from from Edmonton and I mean, Jack Campbell and Stuart Skinner both didn't really have the best years last year either, but and they were willing to run it back. I guess it's just like they they were kind of had their hands tied with the amount of money tied up in goaltending. So, um, and, and obviously the stars that uh that they have to pay. Uh, well, and on top of it, like dude, like the thing with Edmonton, and I wanted to point this out to you because I didn't realize this is like one of the reasons they couldn't go after a Gibson is like, dude, like they have nobody. Like, they have nobody outside of, once you get to, you got Dreisaitl, Bouchard, Hyman, Evander Kane, McDavid, Nuge, right? You're not going to trade any of those guys for for John Gibson. Like, those are your guys. They all have, you know, 11 and 15 for Nuge, 13 and 13 for McDavid, 15 and 15, 15 and 15, and 15 and 15 for Bouchard, Hyman, and Kane. Then you got Dreisaitl. After that, dude, like, the the biggest drop-off, like, 6 and 15 for Fogel, 5 and 5 for Ekholm and Nurse in 15, you know, Three assists for Cody Cece, who's playing 19-39 a night. Three points in 15 games. Two points for Ryan McLeod, who's playing 15 minutes a night. Two assists, zero goals in 15 games. Two points for Kulak. A one point for Derek Ryan in 15 games. Like One point for Holloway. One point. And anybody that they've called up to play seven, eight games doesn't even have a point, man. Like They have nobody outside of like five or six. They have... No one, and they don't get a say. Like McDavid and Drysaddle could put up 140 points each. They still don't have enough after them to do anything. I know, dude, and it's been like that though. But they seem yep. to kind of make it work when they get to the playoffs. Like enough, I guess everybody yep. kind of gets the legs under them, and and they've won rounds, right? But yep, absolutely, yep. Yeah, they are a little bit thin. Or well, I mean, they're very thin when uh when you look towards the bottom six. I mean. Uh, but it, but it has, that's just been like their blueprint for like the last couple of years. Now I don't know if it's by design or, or they're just kind of, that's the, the hand the GM kind of gave them. Um, and he doesn't really have any other options. Um, but like, there's, there's some guys down there that I, I like, like when I, I, I watch a lot of Oilers games cause I dry saddle and Evander Kane. Great, uh, great night on Wednesday for me there, by the way. Um, on my fantasy team. So I end up watching like a, I've watched a few Oilers games um, th- like so far this season and there's dudes in the bottom six that I like. It's just like that. I feel like uh, it's like one guy on the, like, you know what I mean? I like Warren Fogle. He's a fast player. He seems to get a lot of chances, but it just like, it never ends up turning into production. Um, Dylan Hallway obviously, obviously is like uh, fairly young. And I know when he was still a prospect, it was a guy that, uh, they were hoping would would come in here and maybe fill fill a pretty solid offensive role for them and he kind of really hasn't panned out quite yet maybe there's still some hope but like if you're gonna make a trade for john gibson uh last or in the summer um yeah you'd probably have to be looking um to your farm system guys or your in in your prospect guys right yeah, or like, yeah, like the one thing is like they're weak on defense, right? Like part of the reason as to why Edmonton's goaltending is so bad is because of how weak they are on D, right? Like usually like one one plus one equals two, right? Like if you're fucking horrible in net, usually you're not great defensively either. Like there's like there's a big thing of that. So it's like you can't take away Ekholm or Nurse to go out and get a Gibson because you're going to be way worse. And like you're not going to get Gibson for Cody Cece and like all these other guys, right? Like, I, like I say it, like Dylan Hall, like Holloway has one goal, one point in 14 games. Like he's got mm-hmm. one goal, right? Like that's what I'm saying. 15 games, Derek Ryan, your center playing 10 minutes a night, like one assist. Ryan McLeod playing 15 minutes a night, like no goals. Like, I don't know. Like yeah. they're bringing, they brought in Sam Gagne. He's played seven games for them, right? Has, has, has five points and he's, 
it's like, okay, well, there's your bottom score. And it's like, I don't know. It's just, it, it's weird at Edmonton. Um, like I said, I think that Jack Campbell signing reeked of desperation, just like the Leafs getting Matt Murray last year. That Jack yeah. Campbell signing reeked of desperation because you know what? I get it. Like, he was an all-star, but dude, he was also st- statistically like the worst goalie in the league the second half of the season, like bef- with the Leafs. Statistically, yeah. like one of the worst. Like, yeah, I, I was and never... And still game five by five, like... Did you ever look to Jack Campbell and like, did you ever, when you just saw him playing goal, like forget the numbers, even when he was on a heater, you just saw him playing net. Did you ever like think like, do you ever look at him and be like, this guy's a starting goaltender? Oh, fuck no. Absolutely not. It was and kind of a- like this. It was like the the Jonathan Bernier when when he was a Leaf, right? It was like the James same Reimer, in that regard yeah. where it's like, yes. technically, I guess you could say he's our starter, but he just doesn't like, he, he's doesn't look like our starter out there. You know what I mean? It's just too many mistakes. And like, uh, and I don't know, I guess it was a lucky half of the season for your, for Jack Campbell there, I guess. What's well, not luck. And like my thing too is here, and I don't want this to get misconstrued as if like, I'm, I'm really ripping on the guy. He's probably a great guy. Probably has a lot of things, but like, you know, and you can attest to this too. Like goalies are a little different in general. Right. But the thing with Jack Campbell is like, he was so it was so mental for him, right? That first half, like, yeah, like he was flying on, but like, as soon as it went bad, everyone yeah. was like, oh, like Jack Campbell's mental state, Jack Campbell's mental. It's like, so for Edmonton to even send him down right now, like, I don't see Jack Campbell coming back. Like, obviously, he is going to get another shot because of his contract, but like, I don't see him ever producing at any type of all star level ever. Yeah. He, uh, have you seen his AHL stats? Dude, not did you see the good. first goal he let in? It was just garbage. Yeah, yeah. From like, it's like, dude, like that's what I mean. It's like, but he's played like five. He started like five games down there, and they've all, and he's got like an eight nineteen save percentage or that's something. What I'm like saying. stupid, dude. dude like, like, guy, I don't know. He's dodging it now. He's dodging the puck. It's crazy. Like the thing is with Jack Campbell, I feel like once he came to the Leafs and kind of got like some media attention around him, right? It happens naturally when you become a Leaf. Um, <laughs> Now everyone knows him. They know his personality, and he gets like these weird, like I don't know. A lot of them are like moms, and a lot of them are just like soft dudes. And like, I mean, nah, that's 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 a rude thing to say. But he's no, getting like a, he's a pussy. A he's like absolutely, he's an absolute pussy. Like, well, I don't say that about like a guy I don't know, right? I'm just saying, and he's obviously I'm a far better funny. goaltender than I ever am or or will be, right? So, but he has like a lot of guys that just keep defending him and saying like, you guys are hating on him. I guess you know what I mean? Like he's a great goaltender and stuff like that. I don't even, he's Jay. He never screamed good goaltender to me. I'm sorry. Like, um, and the guys in the NHL at the end of the day, this was his, this is his dream. This is what he worked to be, uh, his entire childhood. Um, so if you're in the NHL, you got to take the take the heat. You can't, you know what I mean. Like, he doesn't need these guys out here defending for him. And now that he's down in the minors, um, I wish him the best, obviously. But now that he's down in the minors, there's nobody like holding his hand and making sure that he's in a good, like you know what I mean. There's nobody hold like the the Oilers. If if they know it's mostly mental, right, and he's not performing. I, I feel like the same thing happened with the Leafs. They have like guys, talk, maybe a sports psychologist. They get the teammates. They get the coaches going in, having some talks with them, trying to settle them down and be like, "Hey, man, like we 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 have faith in you and shit like that." But this move just proves that they that uh, they really don't really have faith in him, and they send him down. Then they the Oilers are no longer worried about his performance at this moment in time, right? They're just trying to get wins and get back uh, to at least five hundred here in the next like ten games or so, right? So. Uh, there's nobody looking out for for Jack, maybe in the AHL, but I don't really, like you said, I don't really see a, a path back for him. No, uh, and, and that's and, the thing. Like, at least sorry, soon, ahead, at least ahead. soon. No, no, no. Say, yeah. I, I completely agree with that. I don't see him ever getting back to like an all-star caliber. Like, you know what I'm saying? I think that was a fluke. I think he worked hard for it. And to say a fluke, like, dude, obviously the guy fucking, he was good. Like, you know what I'm saying? He was stopping pucks. But also with him, like, there's a, there's a point of it where people, like you say, are constantly defending him. He's a good guy. He's a good guy. I don't give a fuck. He's making five million a year, five by twenty-five. Like he's making twenty-five million dollars in this contract. Like right. you should be able to take some fucking heat if you're not stopping a puck. You're making twenty-five million dollars over five years, and guess what? Now you're in the minors, and you still got the guaranteed money of making five million or twenty-five million over the next five years. Like, regardless, like Jack Campbell wins at life. Like yeah. he's going to make 
25 times, 25 million times more than a lot of fucking people will ever fucking make. So he's one at life. But if you don't stop the fucking puck and you have that type of contract, you got to be criticized and you got to be mentally tough. And I don't know. I just don't see. It's like the Matt Murray thing. I don't see fucking Jack Campbell being mentally tough enough to bring himself out of that hole. And I know it sounds fucked, but yeah, it's like, I just don't see it. The other thing, I had a question for my boy, Troy. I texted him before the pod and I said, is he like this Edmonton situation? You got anything? And he's like, McDavid has two more years after this one, right? Like, yep. I don't see him sticking or like, I don't see them blowing it up regardless when McDavid is there. Like, I just don't see them doing it. Right. Because it's like, whatever, but yeah, I don't stick it around for a blow up either. But like, what, what do you do if McDavid or dry is like, I want to, I want to go win. I yeah. want to like, what do you do? Like I, I could see it. McDavis hey. talked about all he wants to do is win. It's like, you guys going to rebuild my pay grade, man. Around. Well, no, it's, <laughs> yeah, it is, but it, it is above <laughs> your pay grade, <laughs> but that's not what I'm something for me to figure out. And I don't want to get stressed out, uh, worrying about it, especially when they're not even a team that I, I genuinely care about too deeply. You know what I mean? So, uh, uh, I hope he ends up in Toronto. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, yes, I couldn't agree more. Speaking of guy to end up in Toronto, I'm going to throw this in here off the top. Uh, we've seen a lot of um, of rumors about Patty Kane returning to the NHL, and there has been a few rumors of him coming back and playing on the Leafs. Um, there's yeah. also been like him going back to the Rangers, uh, like just a few other teams out there that are in the mix for the Patrick Kane sweepstakes. You got any idea? Like, where do, where would you like to see Patty Kane go outside of the Leafs? Obviously, we'd love him on the fucking Leafs. That's no brainer, but. Where do you think Patty Kane, if he slides back in somewhere right now, whether it's like a Vancouver, you know, a like a Dallas, even Colorado, the Rangers, like Boston, like he could go back to any of these teams that are top top tier contenders that, you know what, would probably love to get a Patty Kane on it for a one year, one mil kind of deal. Um, you got any hunches on Patty Kane? You got any predictions on where he's going to land? Um, I would let he doesn't really. Uh, I know. Uh, I feel like I'm wrong for saying this, but he doesn't really excite me in Toronto. He doesn't change uh, the fabric really at all. You know what I mean? So um, it, w- it would be cool, obviously, as a Leafs fan to have uh, Patty Kenya, two, uh, two of the best American players, one of the best of all time, and then Matthew's the, the guy right now, right? Uh, maybe even line mates. Um, who knows? But well, that, For sure that, they would be to start off. For sure they, just, he would be right they in would there. Test in the it. They would test it. I don't think it would last. But well, I don't know. I th- but uh, yeah, yeah, it would be cool. But I would like I'm not even after seeing that like report that uh, he met with the Leafs. I wasn't out there. Just I wasn't on Twitter and in on Google and stuff, trying to stay up to date with all the stuff. Like, I'm just like, if it happens, it happens. You know, Patty Kane. He's obviously taken a step back. He hasn't played in a while, uh, coming off uh, surgery, right? So. I don't know. It would be cool to see him in Buffalo. I know, like that's kind of his hometown. Um, Florida, I hear, I hear a lot. Um, that would also be pretty cool. You get a get a you know something rolling in Sunrise again. I mean, like they fresh off a Stanley Cup appearance. Um, I don't think uh, I haven't really like been keeping tabs on Florida, but I don't know if they're doing too hot. Yep. The season, Flor- right? Yeah, Florida's. Oh yeah, Florida's, they, are. Uh, they, they picked it up. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, they're Ten four and one. Yeah. Yeah, and the and they had, I, I sorry, that's my mistake because at the start of the season they were they were a little bit banged up. Um, yep. I think Montour still, yeah, they they they'd have a dangerous team, and obviously they lost. Uh, like Huberto is kind of like the distributor there, getting what he had like eighty five assists the one year. To have like a, a Patty Kane, a, a skill guy, um, to match up with uh, other skill guys like uh, Kachuk. Uh, obviously Barkov's a, a stud, uh, in the, up the middle for them, um, for Hagee. Um, it would be, it would be a treat to see him in Florida. I think Florida would be my favorite place for him. See, Buffalo would be cool just cause it's his hometown, but Buffalo, I mean, like, I think it kind of ruins kind of what they're doing a little bit there. Uh, well, no. And I, I think for Patty Kane, he's coming back for a one year, like one mil to win a cup. Like, I don't think he's going to Buffalo yeah. and signing a three-year deal and fucking sticking around. Right. I like your Florida take. I really do. Um, I kind of like even thinking like maybe even a Washington, right? Like, like you yeah, had fucking Patty Kane on that Washington power play with Ovi at the end of their career. Like I could see that kind of changing, 
like has Washington even eight four eight four and two right now with eighteen points? Like they're in they're in I get it they're in second in the Metro and I get it's early and whatever else, but a team that I really actually think that he could come in and make a, a real impact on is the Winnipeg Jets. I I mm. know I sucked their dick all last year, but dude, you add yeah. you add Patty Kane on that power play with Shifley and Connor and Morrissey like and Ehlers. Like I went and watched the uh, Detroit Winnipeg live. And I really, really liked that Winnipeg team still, like, like live. Like, Hellebuck looked great. Um, like, Kyle Connor looked real good. Like, just needed a guy to get in the puck. Shifley looked good. And I Ehlers looked great. Like, Ehlers is a guy that, like, when you see him in person, they're like, holy shit, is that guy ever... Like, he's rips around that. I say he's fast. He's got great hands. He, like, he kind of throws his body a little bit. Like, got a great shot, whatever. I think you add Patty Kane to that mix. That could really, like, change that that team's dynamic where they need that extra score. But I really do think you're kind of bang on and you kind of took my, uh, my pick of like, I, I do think Florida is a great pick for him. Like I think Florida is very well set up and I think they're, they're more poised to win a cup this year than, uh, than Winnipeg is. And I think that's a big thing for Patty can. I think he's coming back to win a cup and that's the only reason why he's coming back because he's already, he's yeah. already done everything he possibly could. And if he wanted to stay in Chicago, he could have, um, but moving on from Patty Kane, I'm going to go to the, uh, Vancouver Canucks. These guys, oh like days. last year, were or last few years, they've been basically like a laughing stock. Like they've been horrible, right? And all of a sudden, that. you wouldn't say that. I said you could say that. Oh yeah, they've been fucking terrible these last few years. Yet all of a sudden this year, they get a little bit healthy. Pedersen's not banged up. Demko's not banged up, and they're sitting at twelve three and one right now, six zero and one at home. They are tops of the Pacific, and actually, they are tops in the Western conference. If you still want to, if you still want to do that, Pedersen's going off. JT Miller's going off. Quinn Hughes is going off. Brock Besser's going off. Even this Philip Ronick, like I get it. Philip Ronick's like been like in the league for a long time, but this guy was not like going off the way he is now. But the big X factor that they have right now is Thatcher Demko. This guy's eight and three in 11 games. He's got uh, two shutouts already. He's got a 204 goals against and a 932 save percentage. I don't see the Vancouver Canucks getting, barring like major injury here to Demko or Pedersen or like, I don't see them cooling off. Like, I think that this is them being healthy. They've, they've taken their lumps. They've grown. They got a lot of good young talent that's now coming into like that, like their own, where they're not just young and unproven anymore. And I don't see them slowing down. Like, what do you think of the Canucks, considering what we just talked about with the Oilers? They are the funnest thing to watch in hockey right now, my friend. I think I've watched, or no, I, I can guarantee you, actually, uh, because it's not even close. I've watched more Canucks hockey, more minutes of Canucks hockey this year than I have the Leafs so far. Um, and I'm not embarrassed to say that. because you should be. <laughs> no, my friend. The, the, dude, the Canucks, <laughs> I love, and, and honestly, like, Seven o'clock games are tough for me now. It's half the reason why, like, uh, we've been slacking on this podcast a little bit, right? Like, it's just like time wise, it's just I, f- I feel like I'm always doing something. But like ten o'clock, I'm usually home by that. Ten o'clock, I can flip. Uh, who's on? And then the Canucks are my go-to right now. You know what I mean? I watch a little bit of Edmonton, obviously, like I mentioned before. But the Canucks are my go-to just because they're so fun to watch. I have JT Miller and Brock Besser on my fantasy team. Brock Besser. Um, fucking career year to start or like at least looks like it's going to be um kind of rekindling that magic when i I believe he was a rookie right when everyone he he was like oh a new sniper in town in in vancouver out west uh brock bester and then he kind of was disappointing for like uh quite a few years like three or four years there and it looks like he's returned uh he's found that line with jt miller and, and i think it's uh di giuseppe as well uh, has been but dude jt miller i'll just say i know we talked about it before he's rank one in like all our fantasy leagues and stuff like that but he actually might be the best like not he, obviously hard to like obviously mcdavid and stuff exists so i'm not saying he's the best player but he's been the most effective player um in the league to start you him or quinn hughes quinn like this whole edmonton team or sorry uh vancouver team has just been fucking nasty i mean you're saying last rock, night rock besser Pedersen, Pedersen, Quinn Hughes, and JT Miller have more points than Brock Besser. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, three guys on his team. Like, it's crazy. Dude, last night, like, is just, was like a beautiful example of everything. Like, even when Pedersen, like, 
isn't uh, out there having multi-point, like three-point games or whatever uh, that he seems to be doing a lot lately. Uh, JT Miller just snipes one on the power play. Uh, next power play, later in the second period, makes a beauty feed to Brock Besser, tucks one home. You know what I mean? And then the third, or and then uh, they end up rallying back in that game. It was just beautiful to watch. It was a sick game. And against the Islanders, nobody likes watching the Islanders, but I was like, wow, this was a sick game. Islanders go up. And they come back with two goals I just mentioned. They tie the game. They end up going to overtime. And then there's Quinn Hughes off the bench or something. Fucking JT Miller just makes like a beautiful turnaround pass. I'm like, this team. Um, JT Miller's uh, uh, an underrated player, I think. Um, and he took a lot of like uh, flack for being like, uh, he was just supposedly the rumor was he was like a, um, what should we call it? A fucking locker room cancer, you could say. Um, and then a lot of people were criticizing can, the Canucks saying like, oh, you got rid of Horvat and kept JT Miller. That's crazy. You got rid of your captain just to keep JT Miller. Um, paying dividends now. Thatcher Demko. Um, I know you want to talk about Thatcher Demko. I would say didn't really have a great season last year, but he obviously he's been uh, ever he since was he was. a lot of last year, yeah. Yeah, but ever since he was like uh, drafted, there was a lot of potential for, for, for Thatcher Demko. Um, and then has he hasn't really like you've seen flashes of it where he's been like fan, like phenomenal and you're like this guy like is gonna be like the best one day right? Um, this year though, I would say I would make the argument that he's probably a top five goaltender in the league right now. Obviously, or he's, better. Well, no, I just mean like um, when you put all the resumes of work together, there's guys that are like. Uh, are far more qualified um for that like top five position right um like right now in the league like right now oh right now in the league he's been like pretty much pretty well the best goalie in the league right but i'm just saying like i actually think just watching him he is the maybe the uh, uh, top five skilled goaltender like you could say you could say shesterkin sorokin um ottinger vasilevsky you have to put vasilevsky and then who is it right i think it's demko Aiden Hill's been really good in, in Vegas, but he's kind of got a, a, a small resume, so he, he's not there uh, for me yet. Um, but yeah, he's he's among the elites in the league. Um, um, so yeah, Vancouver is just an absolute wagon. I don't see them slowing down either. The only thing with Vancouver is you can they could have a fucking like the last few years, right? They could have the most best roster in the league on paper, and then somehow they just find a way to fuck it up. But this year, I'm super confident, and we can't do all this talk about fucking Vancouver and not give credit to uh, Rick Talkett behind the behind the bench there because it was as soon as he came in is when everything clicked, and he went from the fucking TNT panel to uh, now he's getting, probably going to win the Jack Adams this year if I had to imagine. So um, shout out Rick Talkett. And the best part about Rick Talkett is Rick Talkett will tell you – it's Jimmy's and Joe's, not X's and O's. It's his boys going through a fucking wall for him at all, like at all costs, at all times. And you're right. The guys believe in Rick Talk. It's the, like the way he coaches, like his his game style, like his game yeah, planning. Awesome. They all believe in it. Um, but it's Rick Talk. It has been a coach for a long time, but you're right. Jumped on that TNT panel. And no, no, I know. Just, I don't mean like, no, no, I mean no. like he wasn't fresh. He wasn't fresh, you know? Like he was just oh, like, no, it, it seemed I like that's what he was going to do for a while, right? He was going to be a media personality for a while. It was going to take, and then, it was it was like less than a season, I think, right? The TNT thing started last year, I believe, right? So it was like less than a season, and he's a, and he's back in it behind the bench of Vancouver, taking over like a dumpster fire there, it seemed, and then all of a sudden, uh, here we are, they're, they're at the top of the Pacific Division, sixteen games in. So, and I, I only meant that because of exactly like what, like I feel like sometimes when you see these guys where they go into like a media role and then they end up getting hired again, like they are fresh. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's free. Yeah. He gets a new perspective. He, like, it ended up going, like, like just the best way possible for him. But the thing about Thatcher Demko, and you're right, you brought it up. I wanted to talk about him. Like, you want to talk about underrated players in the league, right? Just underrated players. Thatcher Demko could be the most underrated goalie in the league. Think about how fucking bad Vancouver's been. Like, how bad they've been. And, like, even in uh, 2020, 2021, he had a 285 goals against average with a 915 save percentage. He went 16 and 18. Like 2021, mm-hmm. uh, 21, 22, like Vancouver's horrible. This guy had a 272 goals against average and a 915 save percentage. 
Like even last year, like they were horrible. They were awful. And he still had a, a over a 900 save percentage in his career, 285 goals against average, 912 save percentage. And most of the time that Thatcher Demko has been in Vancouver, they have been fucking terrible. You know what his stats are this year, but with the way that they're kind of coming into their own and a lot of their, like I said, a lot of their young guys now are, it's almost like the Leafs situation where like all of a sudden, you know, we were young with like Marner and Matthews and whatever, but now they're like, they were really starting to come in their prime and they were killing it. Like Thatcher Demko is going to win a Vesna this year. Like mark it down right now, bet on him. I know he's going to be the odds on favorite. Thatcher Demko is winning the Vesna. No doubt in my mind. And if not the Vesna, this man's winning comeback player of the year. Like this guy, like anything, like this guy is winning an award this year because dude, this is kind of, and like you said, you watch him and it's like skill wise, like he's up there with the UC Soros and, and Vasilevsky and Shesterkin where you watch him and you're like, Oh, this guy can he's start solid. like he's solid, man. He can start he's 60 like- games a year, which is that's, that is almost unheard of. Like there's only six, seven guys, like the guys we named the Ottingers, the Vasilevsky's, the Shesterkin, Sorokin, Soros, and then maybe Demko that could start 60 games a year. It's all about the tandem. Now it's all about guys starting. 40. They won't do that. Well, I dude, mean, they've already Casey, done it with him. He started sixty. He yeah, started but that's three. I don't think they want to do that again. Casey DeSmith has been pretty good as a backup. He's been very good, so they're going to play him a lot this season. They don't like. He's never going. The Demko will never play a back to back, unless well, it comes no, down to like, the last do that game. Anymore. You they don't play. do that anymore, right? I know, but Casey DeSmith will get a spot starts here and there too, just because uh, they don't want Jem- Demko hurt again, right? And you I know, but you if saw, you're like, looking, this is the thing with goalies, dude. Like, Ottinger played what? Like, a sh- he might have played 60 games last year for Dallas, and then he kind of uh, regressed in the playoffs. Same with like Kellebuck a little bit. Like, you you, you got to rest your goalie, so you need like a reliable backup. And Casey Smith has been very good so far. Well, I know, but he, so he, still, even then, I agree with you completely. But Casey DeSmith started four games. Demko started eleven. The only time DeSmith has started is on those back to backs, right? Like he's just I like on pace right now. If you're talking fifteen games and you're going through it, Demko is on pace to start sixty-one well, games. Well, DeSmith will start tonight, and then I know in the first, very first game of the season, uh, when they steamrolled Edmonton for the third period, or, or like for like ten minutes or something. That's when I knew it was very first game for 10 minutes. They were up a shit ton and they, I uh, heard Demko may have had a little bit of a flu bug or something. And they were like, all right, we're way up. Uh, let's save our guy here. And they threw in Casey to Smith and like just on the fly middle of the game. Yeah. So, which I think that is kind of like the new and it new kind of like NHL, like we said, right? Like you, you don't do it. Like pitchers don't fucking pitch complete game, complete games anymore. Rarely at MLB and, and, goalies don't start 80 fucking games. Like there's no Kippersoff out there starting 75 <laughs> games for his team and playing every minute that he possibly can. But then again, you're right. Like I, I agree. Like it's 15 fucking games into the season. I said, I said my overreaction is Thatcher Demko is going to win a Vesna or, and I, and I stand by it. Like I'm going to bet it right now of Thatcher Demko winning the Vesna. You got a 15 games in overreaction that you have right now, or is yours the Vancouver Canucks? Mine is the Vancouver Canucks. I think uh, it, I think they do damage in the playoffs, man. It's, I know it's super early, and uh, I'm kind of hopping on the bandwagon here, but I think they do damage in the playoffs. I, I, I want to say they win the Pacific, but obviously Vegas is there, and Vegas is obviously uh, – it would be pretty easy to call Vegas the best team in the league, and they have the same record to this point as the Canucks. So um, – I'm not going to say they win the Pacific, but I think they do. I, they're obviously going to make the playoffs, and I think they're going to do damage. I think they go a couple well, rounds at least, and uh, maybe maybe their dark horse cup. But when it comes down to uh, when it comes around, when when spring rolls around, we start talking about that. You know, like naturally, like we we did last year, start talking about dark horses. It's uh, it's going to be Vancouver. Most likely is going to be mentioned there, but who knows if they're even a dark horse at that moment? Like maybe they fucking run away with this shit here. I was just say, yeah, they're not they're not a dark horse at this moment. But the Vancouver Canucks, the one thing I love about them, and I always say this about why the Leafs, as much as it pains me to say this, is never going to win a cup right now, <laughs> is because like every cup winner, like every cup winning team of the last, I would say, twenty years, has had either one or both of the following: a Norris caliber defenseman and a Vesna caliber goalie. Anybody who's won a cup, and you could run it back, go 20 years, they've had a <laughs> Norris caliber defenseman and or a Vesna caliber goalie. You think about Vegas with Petrangelo, like that guy was a fucking Norris caliber 
defenseman with Shea Theodore in there. I get it. They didn't have, I get it. I said they have one or both of the following, right? You think no, about all those times it's, where Aiden like, Hill did play like a fucking elite goalie in the, in the playoffs, but, and I think he is yeah, a really good goalie. So, but, but you think about the Pittsburgh's, yeah, yeah. the fucking Chicago's, like the Detroit's, like they always had a Vesna caliber goalie, a, and a, like, uh, 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 Norris Trophy defenseman. You think about Colorado. Yeah, they didn't have the Vesna goalie, but they had fucking Kale McCarr. Like he was playing as the Norris caliber uh-huh. defense. Leafs don't have either one of those. That's why they won't win a cup, in my opinion. Um, and you know they just won't win in the big game, the big moment, the big spotlight. And speaking of big spotlights, too, Stu, there were some big spotlights on the UFC this past weekend. Interrupting this chat quickly to tell you about Zencaster. Zencaster is the all-in-one solution making podcasting easy. It's what Ty, DK, and I use to create this show for you guys, as it allows us to come together from the comfort of our own homes and record our episodes virtually. It's now super easy to record a podcast with Zencaster. Log in using your browser and start recording a high-quality podcast right away. Record studio-quality sound and up to 4K video with your guests, and feel a sense of zen knowing Zencaster's multi-layered backups ensure you always have your recordings in the highest quality, even if the connection is unstable. If you thought about podcasting before and realized that you need a lot of different tools and services, those days are over. With Zencaster's all-in-one podcasting platform, you can create your podcast all in one place and distribute to Spotify, Apple, and other major destinations. Go to Zencaster.com pricing and use our code NUX, that's K-N-U-C-K-S, and you'll get 30% off your first month of any Zencaster paid plan. We want you to have the same easy experiences we do for all our podcasting content needs. It's time to share your story. I didn't watch. I know the main card of this. I just, I looked at it. I've watched some highlights, but that's all I've watched. All five fights on the main card ended by KO or TKO within the first two rounds. I know there were some big hitters, Pereira versus Prohaska and uh, Tom Aspinall versus Pavlovich. Um, What did you see this weekend? What did Ty bet? Give us your take on UFC 295 from this past weekend. So Ty went Diego Lopez, um, Benoit Saint Denis, and he had Yuri Prohaska in the main event. So, um, yeah, the first two fights of the main card were pretty fucking were pretty nuts. Um, ended pretty quickly. Like Lopez, I was a little bit scared for because it's the first pick of a, of the parlay, right? And I was like, yeah. let's see what he does, and then. Um, they were gassing up. Who who did he fight again? Fuck, I forget who he fight. But he, uh, they were gassing the dude up too, and I was like, oh shit, like what's happening here? You know what I mean? And then, but he ended Pat up fucking Sabatini. Just, yeah, 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 the American, right? So they're yep. like, uh, <clears throat> they were gassing him up on the on the call, and I was like, what the hell is going on here? I'll just have faith in Ty, you know. Um, and then turns out Ty was bang on. Second fight of the main card was Santini. Um, I think Santini has potential to uh, make a title run in, in that division. So um, I was pretty confident in that one, even though, um, um, I, I, surprisingly, like a lot of people I was talking to were on Frivola in that fight. Um, I don't know if they just like the underdog odds. Um, but yeah, Santini was, was uh, the pick there, and I really never had a doubt. And he made quick work of Favola too, and then the the female fight was Dern and Andrade, and and yeah, do, you, how many knockouts do you see first round or what was it first or second round knockout? How many knockouts in the yeah. first round or whatever do you see it second round? How many not second round knockouts do you see in the in the women's strawweight fights? Right, so. Um, that oh, women's fights was, in general, right? There's only a few that's that can what I throw mean. the punches yeah, hard yeah. enough for them to put them out because their cardio is so good. They're in such good shape. They, none of them are going down ever. Like It's yeah. almost rare to see a women's knockout. I know. So that was like pretty surprising. And then I was like, wow, I just set the tone for the card here. Like three or yeah, for the main card, three fights in a row, just like absolute bangers. So then it was Pavlovich and Aspinall. Ty like left this one out of the parlay. Um and I'm glad he did because I don't, well, I mean, actually, I don't know who he was on, but I was, I made like a little side bet, uh, Pavlovich, cause what he has six straight, like first or six straight KOs. Right. Now I was like, all right, I'll just make like a little side bet here. Like Pavlovich by KO. You know what I mean? Um, and dude, fucking Aspinall came in there. Gas. That one was even odds. I think that was dead. Even odds. When I looked at it right before, as they were walking out minus minus one ten, minus one ten. I'm pretty sure. And it was, and 
it, you could see why as soon as they started fucking moving in there. Um, Aspinall looked a little bit more active, obviously a little bit of a more athletic and quicker guy. And he was like trying to piece him up a little bit. And then Pavlovich made, took a couple swings, buddy. And it was like, it was like, all right, we we'll see why this guy's dangerous. And then literally like 15 seconds later, Aspinall just clocks him. And I was like, wow, that was fucking nuts. These boys hit hard. So, um, I'll get to the main event in a sec, but about Aspinall now, I don't know what's next for him. I know John Jones is going to be out for a while, but I think uh, it's hard to say. Um, and I, and I, and I feel like, uh, I'll be, I have a safe space to, to say it here anyways, because obviously DK, you're famous for being a little bit of a John Jones hater. Um, so I feel confident in saying that if Aspinall fights John Jones, I think that's a guy that could actually give him a run for his money. Aspinall is better than Cyril Gunn. Um, and better than pretty much everyone more yeah pretty much everyone in, in that heavyweight division he moves like a fucking welterweight and he's he's good everywhere so i don't know what you think about that i just called you a john jones hater well yeah fuck john jones like yeah, yeah like, <laughs> it's not i don't i don't hide i don't hide from the fact of being like a a john jones hater like fuck that guy like i like i don't know he fights every couple of years and it's not entertaining to me anymore and the guy's fucking i don't know He's rich as like he should just. I, I I'm just not a John Jones guy, and like I get it. He's still. I still will fucking say that he's pro, he's one of the best of all time. Asterix, um, but still, fuck John Jones. Yeah, Tom Aspinall. Like it's just one of those things where like you know John Jones has become like the the Yankees, where like or the Patriots when they were like <laughs> winning all the Super Bowl. Where yeah, it's yeah. like I get it. Like and I I completely agree with you. Trust me. Like I do, but it's like. Nobody beats this guy. <laughs> like, it's just, it's weird, right? Like, I don't know. And, and it's, he's so boring nowadays, especially in a heavyweight and shit. He just doesn't have the power and shit to like, to, to that Aspinall does or, or like, I don't know. Like, even just like that, the main uh, uh, fight on that card was supposed to be Miocic Jones. Yeah. Well, and this is the thing, right? Like, J- Jones was going to steamroll fucking Stipe, right? And that, and they said when that fight got called off, we're gonna save it. So Stipe hasn't fought in how many fucking or how long? And yeah. he's fucking like forty. So like what? Like what's that gonna be when Jones returns? Right. So that's why I like the Aspinall fight better. I probably Aspinall probably fights one more time before like Jones even thinks about coming back. And it is well, no, probably gonna be Aspinall's Cyril the gone. interim interim champ though. So if like if I'm Aspinall, I'm saying fuck it. I'm waiting till Jones. Like I'm the interim champ. I'm, yeah, but I, this, this interim, interim champ doesn't my, mean really anything to me. But it does mean a golden ticket to get, like, if you're the interim yeah. champ, then that means a golden ticket to fight the champ. Right? Like, that's what it, it is. Should. Like it, it should, yeah, but it, yeah, never, right. it doesn't yep. always, and very often, not a, and it doesn't happen that way as often as, as it should. You're right. No, you're completely right. And the problem with the heavyweight division there, too, Stu, is, like, I remember when we were going to, like, the heavyweight division was fucking, like, cream of the crop you know what i'm saying like you wanted right. to watch every heavyweight fight and now it's just not that like tom aspinall is the interim dawn is the two pavlovich is the three miocic four blades five volkov six like there's there's just not like much draw in that like it's, it's the, like if i'm it's, aspinall like i'm sitting my ass down and waiting for john jones because there's nobody else out there like what am i gonna do go fight fucking 50 year old stipe like, yeah it's I, the, the guys doesn't do anything yeah the competitors in that division aren't the personalities is the thing. Like you got John Jones obviously moving up, but like without, if you take away John Jones, it's like Don isn't really like a, a, a media guy and, and uh, Stipe is fucking old and shouldn't even have a shot at the belt. I don't think. I, I Same mean, with Blades and wrong. Volkov and uh, Ty Vasa and Lewis. Ha- like, like Tui Vasa is something, but he's not good enough. You know what I mean? And yeah, then that's like, what I mean. like Derek Lewis, Derek Lewis obviously is like a fucking media, dar- not a media darling. Like, they're fun to yeah. watch, but they're not and fucking, funny they're not fuck, champions. But he's not, yeah. yeah. He'll never be good enough. Right. And then, yeah. um, but Tom Aspinall, I like Tom Aspinall, you know, he's a little bit like a little swaggy. He's the English guy. You know what I'm saying? Um, his dad in the corner, it's a it's a pretty cool story. So now I'm hopping on the I'm hopping on the wave of Tom Aspinall. But like other than that, like um, there's nothing really there. Like Sergey Pavlovich obviously could could have been a, if especially if he won that fight. Um, but even coming off six straight KOs, you could if he was like an American dude with a big loud mouth, uh, he would be 
a superstar, you know what I mean, already. And people would already be like lining him up for John Jones. But he, the guy just goes in there, goes about his business, and then leaves. He doesn't even really say anything. He doesn't even look mean coming out of the like he looks mean just because he looks like a Russian fucking gulag warden. But then he but but he doesn't have any expression. Like he just walks out, just goes in, handles business, finishes a dude in thirty seconds, then peels. He finishes this time a dude he got, in thirty seconds. That's this, that is exactly what it is. Couple pumps and he's fucking out of there. And that's the whole heavyweight division. I mean, this time it was truly him like finished. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know what? It's a fucking yeah. What goes around comes around, and he got fucking finished off. I I just was gonna say that too about these the the few fights in the men's division. There, like the the Lopez fight, total strikes for each guy. Like one at eighteen, one at sixteen. Then the yeah. uh, steamroller Fravola, like he had twelve. And fucking St. Denis had 15. And Aspinall, it was like, he had 14. Pavlovich had seven. Like, there was almost mm-hmm. barely any fucking punch, total strikes thrown in these three fights. And they were all KOs um, in the first round. One that went a little bit longer. And you got to maybe see, uh, like, just that level of skill that Alex Pereira has mm-hmm. against Yuri Prohatska. Like, what did you think about that fight? Uh, Pereira ends up winning in the second, late in the second round by KO. Um what do you think about that fight in the main event of UFC 295? Um, there, that fight ended with a little bit of controversy. Um, I thought it was, I thought it was an early stoppage. Um, obviously, I, I know Prohaska said in the post-fight interview, like he does, it wasn't an early stoppage. But I still think it was a bit early. He wasn't out. I think he was just in desperation, trying just taking the bottom and pulling them to the ground. Um, but obviously, we had money on Prohaska and here at Bucks on Nux. So take what I say with, uh, take my opinion with a grain of salt, I guess. Uh, obviously, there's some bias there. Um, but man, those, these like technically gifted strikers, uh, obviously, Alex, um, I think of Izzy as well, are just so good in like, I don't, yeah, I know you didn't watch the fight, DK, but like, let me walk through. Prohaska didn't fight a bad fight up until that point, right? And, he kind of he, he hurt him a little bit, and he was doing some damage, and then he got a little bit trigger happy, and that's all Pereira needed for uh, maybe like two seconds of his opponent getting trigger happy um, to just find a shot. So just so it's it's crazy how these guys work. You know, it's the same way Alex himself got KO'd by Izzy, right? When he lost the belt, um, these gifted strikers, and I feel like because anybody can go in there, but and anybody can really go in there. And throw hands a little bit and keep their distance and kind of just like protect themselves by using distance from a striker and maybe they'll get a shot in or two. You know what I mean? I think I think of like uh, Nurmagomedov um, touching Connor a couple times, right? Like nobody thought that should should be able to happen and then it happened, right? So anybody, they're all fucking fantastic fighters. So anybody like in the UFC can go and do that and try and like hold their own, right? But it's it's. The way these technical or technically gifted strikers take advantage of opportunities is where like gap becomes because um, all all um all fucking Pereira needed, like I said, was Prohaska just to get trigger happy and like uh and like drop his guard for two seconds and he found his shot. So you just eat a couple shots, it's done. Same thing when Izzy, they, they said he was like playing possum a little bit. He looked like he was hurt against Pereira. Pereira started getting active with the hands and then uh, bit him in the ass and then he was sleeping on the canvas, right? Um, so fighting these guys, you like if you if you catch them, like you got to be very, you got to be super fucking uh, defense. Strickland is the only guy I've seen that's done that uh, and it was a master class that was able to uh, go in and fight and pressure uh, an elite striker to that degree for, and he did it for five rounds, but still remain defense and defensive and not get uh, not get trigger happy at, at any really moment because he was touching them the whole through five rounds and never one only once did he did he flurry and that was that was when he really caught him and even then like it was it was very uh, well done and, and a high IQ play you know like he put his weight against him and. Uh, is he didn't really have the, the room to make like a counter strike. So uh, as soon as you can't hesitate, if you're going to flurry these fucking elite strikers, you can't hesitate and keep, you got to go right in. Right. So, um, but yeah, it's fun to watch the, the way these guys can, can make something out of nothing. Well, and, and it takes two to tango, right? So like my thing, I always remember the, like when you get like a, like championship level fights, like, like you say, like guys stay on the outside and they're counter strikers. 
Like, think about Stephen Wonderboy Thompson versus Tyron Woodley. Both those guys, great strikers. Stephen Wonderboy Thompson is considered one of the best technical strikers in the UFC all time, almost. Like, the technical wise, like, and neither of them would take a risk. So, neither of them really got hit for like three straight fucking fights, right? But it takes two to tango in terms of like where, like, like you say, like one little mistake and Pereira can, like, Pereira can, like, can get in there. Same with like with when Izzy found with him, where it takes one little mistake. And if they don't do it, it turns into Woodley versus like Woodley versus Wonderboy or Derek Lewis versus Francis Ngannou where like neither of them want to take a risk so neither of them get hit when you're at that high of a level it does it I think of a great guy like you said Sean Strickland that's a great that's a great uh, um, uh, example Max Holloway in his prime where Max Holloway could stay on the outside but he was aggressive he wasn't really a counter striker and he he would take a hit to give four you know what I mean where he would flurry yeah. And like, there's just those few, like Justin Gaethje is a horrible example of like, or is a great example of like a guy who could never be a championship fighter. Like dude, Justin <laughs> Gaethje in there, like, and you have like, you know, the best of the best, like they're going to pick him apart because he's so aggressive. Right. But Max Holloway, Sean Strickland, Izzy, like Pereira, like they're not just so like, just on their back foot or like Khabib in the Connor fight. Like you said, like they're not so defensive that they're not willing to take that like risk, but it's that risk in those championship level fights, it takes one fucking miss punch to get to be sleeping on the canvas and not getting that pay-per-view bonus anymore. And that's fucking huge, like yeah. huge money, right? Huge money, huge legacy, huge, just whatever. Um, but I brought his name up and I kind of, as long as you're done with uh, UFC 295 for now, I brought his name up. So I just want to understand, like, I want to know if you had watched the Francis and Ganu versus Tyson Fury at all. I didn't watch it, and I heard it was uh, uh, a bit of a pay-per-view flop. Did you see the uh, the Chael Sonnen and Ariel Hawani beef? Did oh, you yeah, see I saw that? them. Yeah, I, I did oh, see that. Like That was kind of nuts. And, and I think Chael, like, ended up being right. Like, I don't think Ngannou made very much pay-per-view fucking points on that fight because it, it bombed, and it was designed to bomb uh, from the start, I heard. The guy, whoever put that fight on was was willing to lose money because – um, it, it was just another one of those like UFC guy goes and fights boxer and boxer wins, right? And this time it was Tyson Fury, so nobody thought Ngannou stood a chance. So um, now, if 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 Ngannou fights again, obviously uh, now now there'll be some eyes and it'll sell a lot better. Um, but but yeah, I don't think yeah I didn't watch it, but like fuck, what a fucking performance, eh? Well, dude, like the performance is what I was gonna say. I I have a little take on the on the pay per view flop. Like, dude, like every fucking boxing event is a fucking pay per view flop. Like when you're paying, like even like Floyd versus Logan Paul, they're talking like, oh, it's this. If you paid fucking Floyd fifty million and Logan Paul twenty five million, that is a flop. You lost money on that fucking event. Like same with the end. Same with any Jake Paul fight. Like I'm a, you lose money on those events. Like that is a flop, right? Like. Mm-hmm. For it to not be considered a flop is you have to make a shit ton of money as the as the fighters, the organization, at the gate, whoever's putting it on, on pay-per-view. Like, all these are flops. But Francis Ngannou coming out as a boxer, like, at a fight with Tyson Fury. Like, obviously, Tyson Fury's kind of like, you know, he's old. Like, dude, he's old. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, he's, it's whatever. But, dude, like, Francis actually looked like, I don't know, he didn't do anything different than he did at the UFC. He always just fucking fought. He just stood up and boxed, really, right? Like, he wasn't a kickboxer yeah. in the UFC either. He was just a straight boxer. So it's yeah. like, he just, he looked good. Like, I don't know. Like, but then you put France, I, I want to see the all fucking built in a lab matchup of like Francis versus Deontay Wilder. Like, they all just, yeah. dude, these two just dudes built in a fucking lab, Hercules versus Hercules, and just see what the fuck happens. But like, I think Francis would get mashed in that fight. Like, I don't know. Like, I thought he looked great against Tyson. But Tyson is more of like a Nate Diaz, where Wilder's more of a Francis Ngannou, where like Tyson will like to like hit hit and bop like you know what I'm saying like hit you in, for a bunch of time. they'll yeah, pepper you with punches. Well, yeah, no, no, no but yes, same with D- Diaz, right? They'll pepper you with punches, but their power's not crazy. Like, yeah. where like I think if he fought a guy like Wilder or Joshua who has that fucking one punch power, like I think it's over quick. I mean, Furies—they're—they're they're heavyweights at the end of the day. They all got one punch power, but yeah, you're right. Like the the KO rate for for Wilder is is a different story, right? But, um, yeah, I don't know what it would be like. I see. I don't watch boxing enough to like know. Like I know what Deon—I've seen the Deontay Wilder uh, Tyson Fury fights, but I like. 
I don't know, man. Like, I don't know if I can make a prediction there. Um, no, but I'm I know, not making like, a prediction. The, I just would say I would want to watch that. I would want to watch yeah, like, yeah, the yeah, Wilder and Ganu. Yeah, like 100%. Nah, yeah, like, next fight, I'm watching all in Ganu's next fights now. And I hope yeah. he goes back to UFC and does MMA again just to... And maybe it would be sick to see him against John Jones now. You know what I mean? But, uh, you know, DK, I will give you credit, though, actually. Uh, I was I remember I rewatched um, our podcast for, in person in Ottawa. And you you pretty much called that uh, Ngannou fights Tyson Fury so, uh, months months before. So uh, good good call there. Uh, that's, um, that's some podcaster shit right there. So maybe hey, you, you know what? Start fucking, uh, maybe you can start breaking stories and stuff. You get some insider information somewhere preseason bet in vegas to win the fucking cup and it comes through saying fucking uh you know god is gonna do yeah sometimes buddy you throw enough fucking darts at the board you're gonna fucking hit a bullseye from time to time because i throw a lot of bullshit takes out here but there is certain things where like i feel like i have a read on but i think at that point i, w- I had just watched an interview with Nganu saying he wanted to go fuck Tyson fury too so like it was yeah like- but i didn't think it was ever gonna happen just because it's like dude this guy left out like who's gonna give this like that's going to be a fucking shit show. It's going to be lopsided. It's going to be fucking uh tyke team playing the fucking 85 Oilers. You know what I mean? So <laughs> I, I, I wasn't really interested and I didn't think anybody would, would be willing to like lose money on that event. So, um, and then it ended up happening. So, We'll see, but um, and I, my big my big thing with Ngannou is I'd rather watch him fight uh, Joshua or Wild. And this I don't watch any fucking boxing, so like I'm just saying this of just like little like highlights and shit that you know what I mean. You see when these guys fight, I'd rather see him fight yeah Wilder or Joshua than surreal gone Pavlovich, Stipe, Curtis Blades, Volkov. Like I'd rather see him fight Wilder or Joshua than any of those fucking guys. And I think Ngannou yeah, yeah. realizes that too. Is like he's gonna not only is gonna make more money, but it's gonna be more entertaining to fight these fucking guys, like than than anybody in the UFC heavyweight division right now. And I get it, the John Jones fight is, but like, dude, the way he went out and how petty of a motherfucker Dana White is, he ain't coming back to fucking fight John Jones and get a title. Like Dana White is one of the most petty motherfuckers of all time. Like, I think, yeah, I don't know. I think it might happen. I think uh, he was asked about it. I didn't watch the interview, but I. It seemed like he was pretty like receptive to the idea of maybe like um, doing some sort of um, comeback or crossover of some sort. Um, so are you talking knows? Dana or Francis? Are you talking Dana or Francis? Dana. Sorry, Dana. Dana. Oh, Dana was okay. My fault. My fault. All right, I didn't even see that. Like he was good. It was good. It was good luck for MMA, right? So at the end of the day, like fucking. Who knows? But yeah, fucking Francis Agano. Just that guy. <laughs> dude, does that guy have the best genetics of all time, or what? Dude, him, Yoel <laughs> Romero, like those guys just straight chiseled out of fucking stone and just like yeah. they, it's like built in a lab, dude. That's what I'm saying. It's like they don't even know modern day Hercules. Like, how old is Francis Agano? Nobody actually knows, eh? He could be 52. Like, <laughs> I fucking, like honestly, he's like, 37, but like, how much time this guy looks like he's got like 15 years left in him, you know what I mean? Of fighting. So he looks like he's fucking, yeah, he has the body composition of like a, a, a fucking Mr. Olympia that's like 26. Oh, yes. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, he's but, 37 years old, but he's like, so you know, like at the, least, at least, like that's what it well, says on yeah. paper, but nobody fucking knows, right? And it's like, it's like Bismack Biombo. You ever see like his, like where they're like, how old's Bismack Biombo when he was on the Raptors? Or like he's somewhere between 28 and 32. Like he lost his yeah, birth yeah. certificate when he was a kid. It's like nobody knows how old Bismack Biombo is. Yeah. Like, there's a big difference between 28 and 32, but they're like, he's somewhere between 28 and 32 years old. Like yeah. that's Nganu, dude. He's 37, but he's got the genetics of a, of a 20 year old. And you can't sit there and tell, I get the whole genetics thing, but you can't tell me that at some fucking point, Francis Nganu was not just Brock Lesnar juice to the fucking gills. You don't get that big being just you like lose it though, being off of it. And he's been doing testing. So that's what makes no sense to me. But he's he hadn't fought for like two years, and then like you know what I'm saying? Like they, there's ways to get around. Like Yoel he's Romero. always been massive. He's always been massive, even when he was. I fighting. would like to see. I would like to see the the picture of Francis Ngannou's dad and Francis Ngannou's mom, because like that would yeah. tell you right away of like he's genetics. Huge. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah, if his dad's 60, 68, 70 years old, and he's just an absolute juice head, then yeah, yeah. genetics all day. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Guys fucking got jet fuel just like Brock Lesnar, just like Yoel Romero, just like all the fucking guys that are chiseled out of goddamn stone. Um, you know, 
we're kind of running like we always want to go under an hour here bucks on knocks like i said we took a couple weeks off um we hope you're listening but i hope you realize from my perspective like we don't do this for any other reason of Stu and i love to sit on our fucking laptops and talk shit to each other about sports like we do this for the love of the game. There's no other reason as to why we do this. I didn't even know Stewie J before Bucks on Nux, and now it's like this is there's there's no guy I'd rather talk sports with. Um, I'm kind of gonna wrap it up with that sense. Um, but what do you got for final final remarks to anything at all on NHL? Your fucking final thoughts, personal feelings. You got a diary to fucking get out of here. What do you got for final <laughs> thoughts for this episode 45 of Bucks on Nux? nothing much uh i'm just gonna keep myself fucking in check here so now i have to do it because i'm saying on the pod post this on youtube so you can subscribe to our channel on youtube and maybe keep an eye out for uh future episodes i found this fucking nutty ai tool that i can just fucking do it i'm taking advantage of this shit dude it's it it's either I take advantage of this fucking new technology or it takes advantage of me because I'm in one of those positions that might not last. You know what I mean? So, uh, yeah. Um, so follow or subscribe to the YouTube channel and, uh, heck yeah. Follow all our socials and what, you know what, Stu, good saying for you right now, adapt or motherfucking die. So you're adapting and using (laughs) it to your advantage. Um, I'm going to stick with it. I always fucking butcher this, but I'm going because our boy Ty, he just hasn't had the time to get around. Guy's fucking killing his career. We shout out Ty every episode. Shout out fucking Ty. Shout out Stewie J. And you know what? Shout out my fucking self too. Pat myself on the back, pop my own (laughs) tires. Because you know what? If you can't be cool, be careful. And if you can't be good, be fucking good at it, baby.